Hi, I'm Samantha. Hi, I'm Sarah. And, and we, we are, are the, the Doom, Doom Crew. Damn you! What's up, nerds? Welcome back to the Doom Crew. I'm Samantha, and this week I'm going to tell you about Leslie Newlander. I'm Sarah, and I'm going to tell you about a Black Widow. Mmm, our cases might have something in common. Maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, okay, want me to go first? This is my yes. longest one. Oh, not, not ever, but it's my longest of the ones I had prepared when we are recording. It'll be good. It'll be fine. Okay, race it go. It was the 17th. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Okay. I was ready. I was like, I got it. It's cute. It was the 17th of September, 2012, a Monday. 23-year-old Jenna Newlander called 911 from her home just outside of Syracuse, New York. Her mother, 61-year-old Leslie Newlander, needed urgent assistance. She fell when she was in the shower, and according to the 911 call Jenna made, there was blood everywhere. So I, I watched a 48 hours for real this time. <laughs> about this case and they play like the 911 call was it horrific it is was she i have a couple quotes in here but like it's really bad like she's freaking out i mean if i found my mom of course yeah i wouldn't be no no one's gonna be like calm and okay in that situation probably here's what had happened was (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay When police got there, they didn't find Leslie in the bathroom. She was on the floor, in her bedroom, beside her bed, about 60 feet from the bathroom. Oh, not like 6 feet, 60 feet. 60. I verified with two sources, because that seemed specific. Yes. Specific and far. Yes. Like, and also 60 feet, I mean... You're about to find out about, like, her husband's a doctor, like, a very well-respected and well-known one in the community. Like, this was a huge house. Okay. So, like, bathroom to bedroom of same bathroom, 60 feet. Oh, damn. Yes. Oh. Yes. I should have married a doctor. All right. Still got time, girl. Watch your back, beach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So... Leslie's husband, Dr. Robert Newlander, informed police that he carried her from the bathroom into the bedroom so that he could perform CPR. When paramedics arrived, there was nothing they could do. Leslie had sustained a severe and fatal head injury. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Mm -hmm. Robert spoke to police and told them what had happened that morning. When he saw her on the bathroom floor, he carried her into the bedroom and performed CPR. Police found blood in different areas of the bedroom. It was found on the rug and on the wall beside the bed. The medical examiner determined that Leslie died as a result of blunt force head injuries due to a fall from standing height. The medical examiner believed Leslie slipped when she was in the shower and hit her head on the stone shower bench. Her death was ruled an accident and the case was closed. And there you go. That was quick, huh? Get it together, Samantha. Well, no, it was a short case this week. I needed a break. That's not even a case. That's literally someone's unfortunate death. You're so smart. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> the news of Leslie's death didn't just shock her family. It devastated their community. The Newlanders were generous with their time and wealth and were involved with a lot of different charities. Um, Robert worked as an OBGYN in the Syracuse area and was a pretty popular doctor. Like, they said he had delivered thousands of babies. Thousands. It's a lot of babies. Yeah. It's a lot of vaginas. Sorry. Not the point. Okay. <laughs> People really trusted him. <laughs> I mean, they had to. He'd seen their vagina. <laughs> Not wrong. He and Leslie had been married for 28 years, and they had four children. Two of the children, Emily and Brian, were from Robert's first marriage, and then Leslie had two children, Ari and Jenna, with Robert. So four total. After Leslie's death, Robert sold the house and moved into an apartment. Despite the fact that the case was closed and Robert moved, people in the community began to talk. There were rumors circulating that a lot of blood was found in the house, and Leslie's injuries were far more severe than would have been expected from a simple slip and fall in the shower. There was also some chatter that all was not well in their marriage, and one woman even suggested that Leslie was planning to sign a lease on a new apartment the day she died. Oh, shit. Just two days before her death, Leslie had visited her neighbor and close friend, Dr. Mary Jimbelic, to welcome her back home. Dr. Jimbelic had just returned from a serious hospital stay, which had left her in a coma. Leslie had come over to say how glad she was that Mary had pulled through and was home safely. Mary was shocked to hear of Leslie's death. Three months or so after Leslie's death, Dr. Jimbelic began receiving some calls from friends. We don't think it was an accident. Can you look into the medical report? Friends cited the marital and apparent financial troubles with the family as their chief red flags. And you see, Dr. Mary Jimbelic used to be the county's chief medical examiner oh. until she had retired in 2009. Mary called her old colleague, District Attorney Bill Fitzpatrick. It turns out, just a few days before this call, he'd received an anonymous letter alleging that Dr. Newlander wasn't what he appeared to be on the surface. The letter alleged that he wasn't the good guy that people were making him out to be, and that Leslie was trying to break away from him. Dr. Jim Bellick was concerned when she looked at the medical report. She hadn't realized just how severe Leslie's injuries were. Leslie had suffered a penetrating wound toward the back of her head, so severe that blood pooled in her eye. Oh, shit. That's the type of injury... Dr. Jimbalik said you could expect if you were in a car accident, fell from a 20-story building, or were beaten with a heavy object. Dr. Jimbalik told police that she believed Leslie's death was not the result of an accident, but was a homicide, and she believed Leslie died as a result of a blunt head trauma from an assault. It had been six months now since Leslie died. Due to her findings and the anonymous letter... Police reopened the file. They discovered that, as the rumors had indicated, there were problems in the marriage, and Leslie and Robert were sleeping in different bedrooms at the time of her death. 
They also discovered that Robert's practice, which was once hugely successful, was going through a turbulent time due to a feud with an insurance company, and Dr. Newlander was only delivering about half the babies he used to. The house, as I mentioned, had been sold, but was unoccupied, so the police went back to take a second look, and this time they were looking through the lens of it being a scene where a homicide took place as opposed to just a slip and fall accident. The second search of the house revealed a lot that was missed initially. There was blood on the back of the headboard, on the bed, blood spatter on the blinds behind the bed. Jesus. Police also searched Robert's new apartment. Uh, Police asked Robert if he would answer a few questions they had, and he agreed. Robert had gotten a top-notch criminal defense attorney in the meantime, Edward Mencken. He also recently retired. Police asked him about the rumors that they had heard there were problems in his marriage. He admitted that there were problems and they slept in separate beds and they were thinking about a trial separation, but there was no animosity and they still got along really well. And just the night before Leslie died, Robert told the police that they went out to dinner at a friend's house with both Ari and Jenna and that it was normal at the end of the night, you know, kiss, kiss, hug, hug. Ari goes back to his college dorm and Jenna returns home with her parents. Police asked Robert to outline what happened the morning that Leslie died. Robert outlined his actions that morning and a lot of them were things he did every day. He went for a jog at Green Lakes and when he got home, he made a cup of coffee for Leslie, which is something he always did. According to Robert, Leslie was already in the shower when he got back. He could hear the water running. And so he set her cup of coffee on the nightstand and left. Give her, you know, private parts are private. As Jackson would say, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Private parts are private. And he noticed that Leslie was still in the bathroom an hour later. And it was now 8.25 a.m. So he opened the door to check on her. He saw her lying on the floor and said that he tried to start CPR and use the house phone in the bathroom to call 911, but it wasn't working. So he called out to Jenna and told her to call 911. Robert first moved Leslie just outside of the bathroom to give her mouth to mouth. Jenna can be heard on the 911 call begging her father not to move her mother because her neck might be broken. Robert later said that the lighting in the bathroom wasn't very good, so he had to move her, ignoring his daughter's pleas. And then he moved her a second time, and Jenna was still begging him to stop. It's heartbreaking. This time, it was when he moved her fully into their bedroom and laid her next to their bed so he could have a good surface to do CPR on his wife. Oh, because the two floors that you were using before weren't good enough so you'd use a different part of the same floor there's not good lighting for him to you know do Do cpr the the lighting is really important when you do cpr you Mm. know that sarah yeah of course everyone knows that Mm -hmm. again jenna can be heard in the background pleading daddy don't move her daddy stop moving her please but it is it is desperate after robert answered all the police questions police looked at the evidence again They focused in particular on the blood found in the house and the severity of Leslie's injuries. 
They arrested Robert and charged him with murder. Checks out. Robert pleaded not guilty. So it was the prosecution's case that Robert killed Leslie hours before the 911 call was made and before he even went on his morning jog. It was their case that he assaulted Leslie with an unknown weapon in the bedroom, moved her into the bathroom, and struck her head on the shower bench to make it look like she slipped and fell there. It was their case that he called Jenna at that point, so it would appear as if he had just found her in the bathroom. Did Jenna see blood in... Everywhere. Like, she says it on the 911 call, there's blood everywhere. I just wonder, like, if she was in the shower when Jenna first came in the room, how would there be blood everywhere? Right. So he moved her the first time. Yeah. Would Jenna have seen the blood on the other side? Well, I think he's counting on Jenna being so in shock that she doesn't notice the other. Um, Because the theory is that he would have been doing this so early in the day that he didn't realize how much blood had spilled because it wasn't very light. Like, it was dark outside. Mm -hmm. um, And that he didn't have the light on or whatever. So... He opted to carry her back into the bedroom despite Jenna's protests. And then there would be an explanation for why her blood was in a trail from the bedroom to the bathroom. The Newlander's housekeeper believed the sheets on the bed had been changed from when she had done them the past Friday. And this was Monday. Um, So when she saw the sheets, she's like, those were not the sheets I had on there Friday. Because there's no blood on the sheets. And so they're trying to figure out if someone, if there's blood all of these other places around the bed, why is there none on the sheets? And the housekeeper's like, those aren't, those aren't the sheets I put on on Friday. Jenna disagrees and says that they are the same sheets that were on there the night before. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So the prosecution told the jury they believed that Robert got rid of the sheets as they were covered in blood from the assault and that he also got rid of the murder weapon when he went on his jog that morning. The prosecution's main evidence was in relation to the blood spatter found in the house. The blood spatter was found on the headboard, the nightstand, the blinds behind the bed, and on the south wall that was about seven feet to the south of the bed. It was the spatter on the south wall that the prosecution really wanted the jury to focus on. They called expert testimony to explain that that splatter was impact splatter and would have been caused by Leslie's blood if Leslie was struck with some object and if there was a huge amount of force applied to that blow. The court heard testimony about the injuries Leslie sustained The medical examiner testified that Leslie died of a complex, comminuted skull fracture, which means complex in the comminuted, I didn't know this word, means like super tiny little pieces. So like, yeah, like it's shattered. Yeah, real, real bad shattered. Um, That was likely caused by multiple blows. There were bruises on her fingers, arms, and nose, and abrasions on both sides of her face. He testified that he initially thought it was an accident from a slip and fall in the shower, but changed his opinion when he saw further evidence that had been found. He now believes it was a homicide. 
The court heard that Leslie suffered at least two blows to her skull and that one of the wounds was not consistent with her head striking a straight edge like a stone shower bench. The prosecution believed that the first blow to Leslie's head was caused by an unknown object and Leslie had injuries to her face and upper body but not below her waist and if she slipped and fell, she would likely have bruising on the lower half of her body also. The prosecution asked the jury to find Robert guilty because Leslie died in fear that morning. Oh, damn. They went straight for the jugular. All right. Uh Uh-huh. Leslie spent... This is a quote. Sorry. Quote. Leslie spent her last moments on Earth struggling for her life before being beaten to death and unceremoniously dumped in her own shower. Well, damn. Mm Mm-hmm. The defense said that Leslie's death was an accidental one. The court heard that Leslie suffered from vertigo, a dizziness disorder, and her personal trainer testified and told the court that the vertigo had gotten worse as of late. Leslie's sister, Joanne London Leslie, testified that vertigo was a condition that ran in their family and that she had also suffered from it. The defense addressed the prosecution's argument that the blood spatter showed that Leslie was attacked in the bedroom It was their case that if there was a lot of blood spatter, the paramedics may have caused it by removing their gloves. Quote, how are they taking off gloves and fucking... (laughs) The first responders probably had blood on their hands and the gloves were just peeled off. And in doing so, the blood flies from the gloves and you don't have impact. You have cast off. Says the defense. Okay. They also told the jury that it was possible that Robert himself may have caused it by removing his shirt, which... I lost my treat. (laughs) Where'd you go? (laughs) Robert himself may have caused it by removing his shirt, which was covered in blood, to perform CPR. But they argued that it was hard to tell exactly what the spatter indicated as the investigation had not been handled in a professional manner. That shirt has also never been found again. Huh. Mm Mm-hmm. Super weird. (sighs) The court heard that there were not enough close-up pictures of blood, and some of the blood found, like behind the headboard and the blinds, had only been collected months after Leslie had died, and even after Robert had moved out. Dr. Daniel Spitz, a medical examiner, testified on behalf of the defense and said that he believed that Leslie's head wound was the result of her falling in the shower and hitting her head on the stone bench. Robert didn't testify, but Jenna did. She testified about the 911 call she made and what she saw that morning. She told the court that she was with her mother just hours before she died as she had stayed up late with her in her bedroom until 2 a.m. She testified that the housekeeper was wrong about the sheets. The sheets were on the bed were the same ones that were on it when the police arrived at the house and had not been changed. So she hung out with her till 2 a.m. and says it's the same sheets. And they had a, a distinct pattern. Like, unless he had an exact match, which he could have. I mean, but I'm speculating here. Ye- so here we go. Wow. Okay. Jenna told the court she saw her father remove his blood-stained shirt when he was performing CPR in the bedroom. That shirt has never been found. She told the jury that there was no doubt in her mind that her mother's death was accidental as she was in the house at the time. 
The jury deliberated over a three-day period and found Robert guilty of second-degree murder and tampering with physical evidence. The defense asked the court to sentence him to the minimum term. At the sentencing hearing, Leslie's sister, Joanne London Leslie, spoke on behalf of the family. Quote, had any of us even slightly suspected foul play of any sort, we would not be here today on Bob's behalf. End quote. Robert also spoke in court. Quote, my head is unbowed by the verdict of this court, for an innocent man has been wrongfully convicted. I would not and did not take a life. I love my wife Leslie very much, and I mourn her every day, now and forever. Robert was sentenced to 20 years to life in prison, and as he walked away, Jenna shouted after him, Daddy, I love you. You're innocent. That's sad. But the case was far from over. Okay, good, because part of me was like, oh my god, part of me is kind of like, oh my god, what if he didn't do it? All of it sounds very unlikely in that he did do it, but what if he did it? The spin is not going to be what you expect. Oh no. As soon as the verdict was handed down, an alternate juror contacted Robert's lawyer and notified them there may have been some element of juror bias involved. Robert's lawyer discovered that one of the jurors who had voted to convict him of murder had exchanged some 7,000 text messages with family and friends during the trial. Hundreds of texts involved questions about the case, something jurors are not per- permitted no, to do. No, they're not. As a result of that information, Robert's defense team appealed his conviction. They discovered that it was juror number 12, Joanna Lorraine, who had received and sent hundreds of text messages about the case during the trial. The court heard examples of the text messages, and one, which was sent by her father, read, Make sure he's guilty. No. She received another text asking her if she had seen the scary man. The defense had also discovered that she accessed media websites that were covering the trial. Also, not allowed. Yeah. As a result of those text exchanges, Robert's conviction was overturned and a new trial was ordered. By that stage, Robert had been in prison for three years before he was released on bail, awaiting a new trial. The prosecution faced a setback when the medical examiner whose testimony was requested to be repeated during the first deliberation stage in his first trial died unexpectedly. It was clear that that testimony was impactful to the jury, and now they wouldn't have it. Oh, fuck. So, um, the trial, this trial happened, um, I think, February of last year. And the jury in his second trial deliberated for just six hours before finding him guilty again. Oh, really? Okay, good. Yep. See, I go back and forth. I don't know how I feel. Yeah. He was immediately placed in handcuffs and led away. He faces 25 years to life. And that's the story of Leslie Newlander. So how do you feel? I think... I don't know. I do think that something is wrong. Like, he was involved in some way because, like, literally you shouldn't be moving someone and like, you know that that's based that's common that's your child told that was you a that. huge thing called out in 48 hours like even people who know the basics know not to move someone with a head or potential neck injury like your daughter knew yeah and your daughter was screaming at you when you hear this i swear to you well my heart just fucking broke i know you hate me it's 
horrible. It's horrible. Like, she's begging him, and he's just... This whole thing. Yeah. Like, that's not even your kid. Like, we don't know this person, and it pulls at our heartstrings. How so bad. could you, as a parent... <sighs> Whatever. Okay. Your turn! Tell me something fucked up! Not you, Lavender. You don't have any good stories yet. Okay. You're a baby. You're a baby. All right. Um, usually I focus more on the victims. Like, that's a goal. But th- mm-hmm. that's not going to happen in this case. Just a heads up. So, Stacy Ruth Daniels was born on July 24th, 1967 to Jerry Daniels and Judy Eaton. Stacy was born inquisitive and stubborn. She grew up with a pretty average childhood. In 2001, Stacy's boss introduced her to a man named David Castor. They married in August of 2003. Supposedly, Stacy's children that she had had from a previous marriage, Ashley and Bree, weren't thrilled with the marriage. They didn't want anyone to replace their dad. Mm, like, yeah. David also seemed more strict and expected the girls to do what he said when he said it. Stacy claimed because they were her daughters, they were inquisitive and questioned everything, which clashed with David's expectations. David had already raised a child from his first marriage. David had a son named David Jr. David was known as being outdoorsy. He had four-wheelers, a boat, and snowmobiles. He was a nice, stable guy, and he owned his own business working HVAC. Okay. On Monday, August 22nd, 2005... Stacy called the police saying that her husband didn't show up for work. She said that the last time she had talked to him was 5 a.m. on Sunday morning when he had locked her out of their bedroom. Rude. Um, she stated that they had recently had a seven-hour fight because David wanted to go on vacation, just the two of them, but Stacy wasn't comfortable leaving Bree home alone as Ashley was going to be working while they were away. He wanted to go for two weeks. She wasn't comfortable with that. Sure. So they fought for seven hours. Seems... I mean, like constantly yelling or like silent treatment? It seems like constantly yelling and then... Super. He went into the bedroom all weekend long and drank and they barely spoke. And then he eventually completely locked her out of the bedroom. I didn't get that. Could you try again? No, no, we weren't talking to you, bitch. God, Siri, flex the fucking shit up for me. Right? Um, oh, it's because we have a severe thunderstorm watch. Okay. Um, Just a watch, and it's till 940, which is in one minute. What? <laughs> oh, no, it's in effect from seven from 940 until, like, 4 a.m. Okay. She said he'd been in the bedroom all weekend long, and they barely spoke mm-hmm. until he locked her out of the bedroom at Sunday yeah. morning altogether. Well, police came to her house because she said the door was locked. She couldn't get in. Yeah. And then someone called her and reported that he never showed up from work. So she called the police because she couldn't get in the bedroom and she wanted to make sure he was okay because he had a shotgun in there. She was concerned he could have killed himself. Shotguns are so large. It always kind of blows my mind when people are like, I think they committed suicide with a shotgun. I was like, Like, men do generally shoot themselves. Yeah. They have more violent deaths. Anyways. Yeah. Um, the police came, they knocked on the bedroom door, and when there was no answer, they kicked the door in. Stacy was screaming, is he okay? The police responded with only, no, he's not. Okay. 
they found David lying on his side, naked and dead. Oh. It appeared to have been suicide. The police found two glasses on the nightstand next to his bed. One contained alcohol and juice. The other contained antifreeze. Well, okay. Those are wildly different. Yep. And um, they also found under the bed a bottle of antifreeze with the top off. Sure. Um, even with a suspicion of suicide, obviously the police still did an investigation because yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. Which it is. When it they is. do it, it's so surprising. It is. So surprising. Actually, it's like, I know. oh my God, wait, they're not just going to like call it an accident and be like, bye. Yeah. They Fuck off everyone. Definitely didn't. Um, they searched the house. They searched the kitchen and in the kitchen, in the trash can, they found a turkey baster apparently mm. smelling of alcohol. Mm. So, obviously, they took that in, and at this point, they were suspicious of foul play. <laughs> yeah. Stacy told detectives David had been depressed recently due to the death of his father. Detective Don Spinelli didn't believe things were adding up. Why was there a turkey baster in the trash? Why was he naked? Yeah. Because that's not common. People don't generally kill themselves naked unless they're no. in a bathtub. Yeah. And why did he kill himself with antifreeze, one of the most painful ways to die instead of killing himself with the gun he had under his bed? Working with HVAC, David would have understood the process of dying from antifreeze poisoning. Dying from antifreeze poisoning, what happens is is the body's organs begin to shut down one Mm -hmm. by one as the person dies in excruciating pain. Yeah. It only takes one to two shot glasses worth to kill a grown man. I didn't know that. Yeah. So little. I knew it was really dangerous. And it smells sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But supposedly it doesn't taste good. No. No, I I have heard it does not. I've never tried. I'm good. Well, yeah. No. As as it would kill me, I've also not tried it. Yeah. No urge. My parents Um, can be so proud. I've never wanted to try antifreeze. Same, bro. Also, I've never even smelled antifreeze at all. You don't think so? I don't think so. I bet if you and smelled my dad's it, a you would be like, no, I bet if you smelled it, you would be like, oh, but yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know. It's used in cars, right? Keep, I'm not even just kidding. Just keep talking. Yes, I, it's used in cars. Hey, bro, my dad fixed this stuff. Yeah. All right, here we go. Okay. Anyways. I'm excited for you. Leave me alone. Uh, (laughs) David's ex-wife called the detectives right away and said that there was absolutely no way David killed himself. Those thoughts continued, especially after David's will was found and read. In David's will, he had left everything to Stacy and her daughters, but nothing to his son. Okay. Yep. That makes all the sense. Yeah. Detective Spinelli asked if anyone had contacted Stacy's first husband, the girl's dad. Only to find out David wasn't the first husband of Stacy's to pass away. Shut up. No. So in 1985, Stacy met a man named Michael Wallace. They bonded immediately and they thought they were soulmates. It was love at first sight. For realsies? Yep. The couple married and had their first daughter, Ashley, in 1988. And in 1991, they had a second daughter, Bree. The girls I talked about, obviously, before. Yeah. So, Stacy was employed by an ambulance dispatch company, and Michael worked nights as a mechanic, and the couple had very little money. Okay. They were struggling hardcore. Yeah. According to Stacy, Michael was very close with Bree. She was considered daddy's angel, 
and the favoritism caused Stacy to feel like she had to make up for it and became best friends with her eldest daughter, Ashley. Okay. Despite their closeness with their children, the couple grew apart. It was rumored that each of them was having affairs. Mm. Stacy talked to her friends about filing for divorce around Thanksgiving in 1999, but she wanted to wait until after the holidays because she didn't want to upset the family. Shortly, I get it. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I don't like it, but I mean, it's fair. Yeah. Um, shortly after that discussion, Michael started to feel ill. He started spending a lot of time in bed. He struggled with walking and talking. He had a cough. He was unsteady and looked swollen. What the fuck? Yeah. No Those idea. All was... signs of antifreeze poisoning? Who knows? Oh, sure. Who knows? I think you might. Maybe. <laughs> so on January 11th, 2000, their oldest daughter, Ashley, came home from school. She noticed her dad was making what she then called funny faces. She was oh. only 11. So he was making funny faces and weird sounds. So he was having a stroke? He was dying. Oh. Um, then he seemed to be sleeping. So Ashley left and went to pick up her sister Bree from elementary school. Because she was just in middle school. Yeah. So, I was okay. like, wait, this She's, girl can't drive, right? Nope. Okay. So she left. She walked to pick up her sister. Um, and when she came back, she realized that Michael was actually dead. Yeah. Oh um, my God, that's fucking horrible. She kept saying it was her fault. Her father was dead mm. because she didn't realize he was dying while she was lying there, yeah. sitting on the couch and he was lying there. Yeah. Um, the hospital told them that at 38, Michael had had a heart attack. Sure. Because that happens all the time. They didn't. Oh my God, I'm going to be, oh, I'll be 38 in like two short years, man. My husband's already past that. Anyways. He's so old. He is. <laughs> um, they didn't consider it to be anything else, so they didn't even bother doing an autopsy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After Michael's death, Stacy got a $55,000 life insurance okay. policy. Hold, please. I'm sorry. If at 38 I die of something that normally people die of at like 58, please insist. I will. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Good to know I have one friend in this world. I don't know who wronged me in this situation. <laughs> yeah. You're traumatized. But I'm like, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Nobody dies from a heart attack at 38. Like, I not mean, often. They can. They can, but the not often. Is yeah. I feel like it's worth a look. Yeah. So she got $55,000 life insurance policy. Uh-huh. She paid for the burial, burial and then took the girls to Disneyland. Which, okay. Yeah, no, that's, I, I get that's it. That's fair. Yeah. Your girls need a way. I'm not judging that. Yeah. You, you know, you use your money for that. That's yeah. fair. Give them something happy to think about. Considering they found their dad. Yeah. One of them was there while it was happening and didn't know. Yeah, that's so, oh my God. Well, okay. That, so, that's like trauma with three capital T's. Right? So detectives couldn't fucking believe it. Um... While waiting for more information on her first husband's death, they received the results back about the evidence they found from the second husband, David's death. Like, the turkey baster. Yeah. Which, surprise, surprise, had David's DNA on the tip and antifreeze. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that tracks. Yep. The cup with antifreeze in it had only three fingerprints on it, and they were all Stacy's. Shut the fuck up. Yep. They were at the bottom of the cup, 
as though she was holding it up to his mouth. They said it could possibly playing devil's advocate could have been when she took it out of the dishwasher. Yep, that's I was yep, going to say that's I how like, I take what it about out the dishwasher because that's how I take things out. Same, but um, but his no, fingerprints his would have been somewhere. Yeah, especially since it was in his system. Yep, um, unless it was all from the baster. And then they were trying to figure out the baster. They're yeah. like devil's advocate here. If she didn't kill him, maybe like. He tried to drink it out of the cup, but it tasted so bad that he couldn't. So then he just used antifreeze in the turkey baster and shoved it in the back of his throat um, to kill himself. Oh, God. Seemed unlikely. Yeah. But. Fucking horrible. Um, then the police learned that the no information about Michael's death, like I said, because no autopsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stacy had claimed Michael had tons of medical issues, including heart disease. Well, detectives went through his medical history, and guess what? No heart disease. No heart disease. Fucking wild. Worst thing on his medical history was he had a hernia one time. Oh, my God. Um, well, obviously, you're going to die early. You had one hernia. So they decided everything was too suspicious, and they wanted to dig up Michael's grave and perform an autopsy. But they need the next of kin's permission, and that's Stacy. No, they were able to get the DA to agree. <gasps> nice. Yes. Oh, my God. Pres- I was like, oh, no, I see the roadblock. Nope, it didn't happen with as much. I know that's what my fear was, too. But no, they were able to convince him that this is just too suspicious a murder. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, Good that they did. They exhumed the body and performed Maybe, an autopsy. I, guess, I don't really know the, the end yet. I'm like, that's good. Well, Who guess knows? what they found, Samantha? Antifreeze! Evidence of antifreeze poisoning. Bitch. I'm so, so smart. Which, by the way, if you're curious, when you ingest antifreeze, it crystallizes in all of your <gasps> organs. Oh, my God. So that's how they know it's there? That's how they know it's there. It never goes away. So oh the medical examiner very upsettingly said he's riddled with crystals. <gasps> Say that better, sir. <laughs> Say that better. But he had... Tons of crystals. That's horrible. Oh my god! Imagine how painful that was. Like for both of them, um, like it shuts down organs one by one. Yeah, his organs look the exact same as David's had. Like they held up DNA evidence of both, and they look the same. That's fucking wild. So, Detective Spinelli is quoted having had a conversation with Stacy and went as follows. I asked Stacy, do you remember which glass that you poured the cranberry juice in? The one with the alcohol and juice. She said she poured it for him. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she looked at it and said, well, when I poured the antifree, I mean, and then she stopped and said, I mean, I mean, the cranberry juice. Because they obviously questioned her after the death of, after the, they exhumed uh-huh. the body. Bitch said antifree. By the way, antifree is important. Antifree. Dumbass. I didn't even say antifreeze. There's a Z in there, princess. But You don't think she stopped early? What? You don't think she stopped because she was like, oh, Shh. fuck? No. And I'll tell you why later. Okay, okay. Keep that in okay. mind. I'm okay. waiting. I'm listening. When the detective confronted her on her slip of tongue, she accused him of trying to frame her and stop the interview. Maybe you just are stupid. Maybe, Maybe. we should play that tape back. Roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> so, um, the police then decided to take it a step further. They went to Ashley's college on the first day of school, the first day of classes, her first day of classes at college. 
and told her that her father had been murdered by antifreeze poisoning. Ashley didn't believe it. She freaked the fuck out. She called her mom right away. Like, too much. Too much happening that day. Your first day of college. Yeah, like, come on, guys. Don't don't be that, guys. Like, she's not... If she's not a suspect, you should not bring that to her on her first day of school. That, like, that's not... A, that's not too nice. No, that's not too nice. No. So, first thing, like I said, she called her mom. Her mom said, you know what? You've had a super shitty week. Come home and we'll drink. no (laughs) ashley was 20 years old so she was like that's super fucking cool my mom's let me drink before my 21st birthday so ashley's still alive right now right yeah okay so the two of them drank a little bit ashley was tired went to bed woke up with a hangover and went to school the next day well as we all have yeah right (laughs) usually not with our parents though yeah probably not not underage Mm -mm. um so When she got home from school the next day, her mom told her, let's do it again to celebrate your 21st birthday, but let's get really drunk. So Ashley was like, mom, it's not even noon, but sure. No joke. It wasn't even noon, but she decided to drink with her mom. Ashley went to bed and the next day, Brie went into Ashley's room to get her up and couldn't wake her up. Shut the fuck up. No. She ran into their mom's room and Stacy sprinted down the hall to see what was happening with Ashley. There was an open pill bottle. No, there were open pill bottles and an empty bottle of vodka right away. She called 911. She stated, my daughter's taken some pills. It sounds like something's in her throat. While on the phone with police, Ashley began throwing up after throwing up. Ashley laid back down. Bree then found a typed suicide note as Stacy was on the phone with police, the note was 750 words, and part of it said, I'm sorry I had to do this. Now everyone will know the truth. They won't blame you. They'll blame me. I killed my dad. I killed my stepdad with Anna Free. Mommy, remember I love you more than anything. By the time Ashley, by the way, catch that? Anna Free? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the time Ashley reached the emergency room, she was basically catatonic. Her heart rate was 190 beats per minute. Holy shit. She was 15 minutes away from death. The doctor told police if they hadn't brought her in when they did, she would have, quote unquote, expired at home. Wow. When Ashley woke up, she said all she remembered was that everything was blurry and there was a man yelling at her. Once she registered what he said, she was shook. (laughs) She was shook? She was shook. He was asking her what she took and how many pills she took. She had no clue what the fuck he was talking about. Last thing she remembered was drinking with her mom. She remembered the drink didn't taste very good. Her mom told her she must have to she must have put too much alcohol in it, so she gave her a straw and told her to put it in the back of the throat and drink so she could get real drunk. Detectives put it together like you did. Stacy framed her daughter for the death of her dad and her stepdad and then tried to kill her. That is so fucked up. For a while, they wouldn't allow her into the room, and then they let her visit for just a few moments where she was able to say, I love you, and as soon as she left the room, she was arrested right away. Um, At that point, bitch was a danger to society. I mean, she tried to kill her own kid. Seriously. On December 20th, 2007, Stacey Castor was indicted on one count each of second-degree murder, second-degree attempted murder, and a plot to present a forged will. 
My word. On January 12, 2009, her trial began. Stacy faced 25 years to life if convicted when her trial began in January 2009. While two cases were being presented to the jury, being her second husband, David Castor's death, and the attempted murder of her daughter, Ashley Wallace, attorneys were allowed to present evidence from Michael Wallace's death. Oh, but he interesting. Was, she was not being charged with that. But they were allowed sure. to provide the evidence. Interesting. Yeah, sometimes they like make motions to like disclude those yeah. things, you know, like things that are mentioned because they're like, well, they weren't charged for anything here, so you can't mention it. Yeah. Both Ashley and Stacy took the stand. Wow. DA Fitzpatrick stated, I can't imagine my own flesh and blood is 50 feet away from me saying that you tried to kill me and having no reaction to that. But legit, you can watch the videos and this bitch had zero reactions to her daughter confronting her on trying to murder her. Zero. That's so fucking strange. With the cross-examination, Fitzpatrick confronted Stacy with phone calls investigators had from wiretapping her phone, as well as computer evidence that showed she had not only written Ashley's suicide letter, but she had two drafts. Of course she did. The detectives also brought point to the fact that in her interview, Stacy called it Anna Free, and in Ashley's supposed suicide note, she wrote Anna Free. I've, yeah... The jury deliberated for four days. On February 5th, 2009, Stacy was convicted of second-degree murder of David Castor and attempting to murder her daughter. And also for forging David Castor's will. Fair. One month later, on March 5th, 2009, Stacy was sentenced to just over 51 years in prison. Ashley confronted Stacy in court during the sentencing, and it was super fucking emotional. Yeah. She said she now understood hate because she hated her mother. Wow. Stacy died in prison of natural causes in 2016. She was 48 years old. She never saw her daughters again. Good. She didn't deserve to. Jesus no. Christ. She's a fucking psychopath. And her mom, like Ashley's grandmother, convinced Ashley tried to kill her dad. Is the one who killed her dads and uh, tried to kill herself. Convinced that her daughter's innocent. What? Yeah, so you think when she was 11, she had put it together that she could use antifreeze to kill her father? Yeah. You think she knew that? Because when I was 11, um, I played with dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I was like, I rode my bike around the block and had to check in after, like, two laps or something. Yeah, no. Motherfucker, I didn't know antifreeze. What it, I'm 30, I didn't know antifreeze. Yeah, you're like, does that go in cars? I mean, legit, I I don't know what it does, but... I would not have known as a child until at least my late teens that it was could kill you. Mm-hmm. It's not. So you said you don't know what it does. Um, I assume it has to do with air conditioning. Well, it's anti-freeze. So no. Correct. It's <laughs> going to keep it from freezing. Mm. Anyways. It's like just water will freeze in this. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I care none. My dad would be disgusted if he listens to this episode. Yeah, because the other thing you want is coolant, which will help with your AC. It's fair. I know how to change my oil and change my tires. Both of those yeah, I do. learned as a child, and I would probably still have to watch YouTube videos to learn again. I, Obviously. Yeah, but hey, you're pretty good at that tire thing now. I bet you could do it without one, without a YouTube and this you, time. It's been much longer. Then 
I mean, it's been much more recent than the yeah. time in between before. Oh, yeah. As a child. For sure. When I first got my permit, I had to learn. Yeah, I remember learning about antifreeze. I thought it was in, like, driver's ed that we freaking talked about it. That, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a science class or something. But I know I learned about that when I was younger. I know. You got something in your fur, mister. Is it a bird? No, it's not a bird. It's something. He's like, don't poke me. Don't pull my chest hair. You want to go get a drink? Yeah. I'm going to come back. All right. Okay, so this is... Hang on. Before we get into what we're going to do, yeah. I just need to make a comment. Yeah? You made fun of me for not knowing what antifreeze was. Okay? Right? You remember it just happened? I do. I sure okay. do. All right. Well, I need to comment on one of your statements, oh, Samantha. Shit. Oh, shit. You remember a couple weeks ago when I was talking about tonsil stones? And you yeah. Because you said you had a funny feeling when you were swallowing, and I said, maybe you have tonsil stones. And then you said... Maybe. And then you said, can you have tonsil stones when you have no tonsils? <laughs> well, the answer is no. And now I feel better. <laughs> Leave me alone. Okay. Now we're going to play a game. <laughs> oh, boy. I can't wait. <laughs> I feel much better now. Thank you. Oh, good. Great. Yeah. I'm really happy for you. Yeah. Um, here, I'm going to give you like half the stack of okay. one of these and half the stack of the other. So, and we're just going to, like, ask each other questions. Samantha got a new game. Yep. I love games. Herbsist. Ooh, these are interesting. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you a reflections question. Okay. First. Okay. If someone wrote a book about you, what would the title be? Tits and ass and a little bit of sass. (laughs) (laughs) I snorted. That was a good one. Okay, thank you so hey, much. Hey, if someone wrote a book about me, what would the title be? You're supposed to decide that. No, that's a question at the bottom. Oh. Okay. Do it so, faster. No, I know. Well, I listen, I wanted to say Hufflepuff Puff Pass, but I was like, that doesn't really describe you in no. the best way. So Nor at all. I mean, Huffle. <laughs> <laughs> the Hufflepuff part. <laughs> Um, must love dogs. All right. You know what? That's not wrong. Yeah. I do love dogs. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm not asking that one. <laughs> you know that means I want you to ask that one. I right? know. I'll get to it later. Okay. When you have more. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Sarah, tell me about a daily ritual that you have and one you would like to adopt. Daily ritual I have. Ooh, I make sure every night my son follows the same routine. He eats his gummies, vitamins. He then brushes his teeth. We read a book. He goes to bed, and I say the same thing to him every single night. Yeah. The night, sweet dreams, I love you as much as the moon, the sun, all the stars in the sky, the oceans, the seas, and the whole wide world. See you bright and early tomorrow morning. Can I give you a kiss? Yes. Where? (laughs) Usually it's my cheek. (laughs) Then that's it. Yeah. Every night. That's our ritual. That's so cute. Um, one I would like to adapt. That's hard. Ritual I would like. I would like to be more organized. I wish that I had a nightly planner that I made out for the next day that I followed. Sure. Not one that I just made and then didn't look at again. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's how I use my Finch app. 
Yeah, I don't it's, even use mine anymore. Yeah, no, I know. You haven't come and told me hello for weeks. <laughs> it's fair. Devastated. Fair. Um, okay, so the question at the bottom is, what were you like in high school? Hmm. Not great. I went to an alternative <laughs> high school for a reason. I was just very antisocial. I didn't yeah. do well with large, large groups. Same as I am now, but now I can be a professional in group settings and handle that. But as a teenager, I could not. So. Yeah. I was very antisocial. Okay. Shocker. Weird. <laughs> Who that is what a so thunk. odd. And I went to a lot of parties. Oh, okay. Very unlike me. <laughs> I was very boring. <laughs> I, I know. Okay. <laughs> What wow. subject matter do you think you are most qualified to give advice about? Oh, I thought it was going to be a uh, talk for 45 minutes about. I was so ready to go. Harry Potter. <laughs> well, give advice about. No. Yeah, yeah. No, give up. Give advice about. Um, I feel like I'm fairly competent at giving advice on like interpersonal relationships. Like. I feel like I'm able to step outside of both perspectives and try to see like that big picture and like understand the motivation. The majority of the time you're yeah. on my side. Well, that's <laughs> because you're right. Like, listen, I can listen to the dumb shit that gets said and be like, yeah, that sounds really good, but that's an affront to my character. <laughs> I would never. No, but I do think that's a good one for you. Yeah. Um, what am I? I most qualified to give advice about how to avoid conversation. <laughs> I could really yes. rock that one. How to avoid conversation in public. <laughs> I got that down point. Yes, you got this. All right. I'm going to ask okay. the question I don't want to. I'm so excited. What do you think my most annoying habit is? Oh, that's not a fun one. I know. That's why I was like, um, I don't want to ask. But then at the end, I get to ask you what you think your most annoying habit is. <laughs> um, okay. Your most annoying habit. Hmm. Fuck. I don't know. Ooh. That you always have to be right. I know. I was going to say <laughs> that I always have to correct everyone. I Not hate it the, too. The correction doesn't bother me. But you always have to be right. I do. You do. I, I do. Mean, that's, you're very self-aware. Yeah. But you don't. You don't try to change it. <laughs> nope, sure don't. Like, I literally, so, okay, I know this about I'm myself, snorting. right? And I literally just thought, huh, but what if I didn't react that way? <laughs> like, recent revelation. Huh, what if I just don't do that? What if I don't act like a dick? <laughs> My most annoying. Hmm. Fuck, that's hard. Because I have a few. <laughs> Um, it's probably my avoidance of confrontation and my avoidance of any interaction. It can be exhausting to be my friend. I know that. I'm okay with that. Very self-aware, just don't care. Yeah. I don't find your friendship, um, like, what'd you say, overwhelming? Something? Like, it can be hard to be my friend? Oh, yeah, because I don't I don't find it hard to be your friend. Okay, what would you say my most annoying habit is? Uh... You won't hurt my feelings, obviously. It's very hard to hurt my feelings. Yeah. Which I think is also annoying to people. But also, get over your fucking self. <laughs> um, I know, I'm going to go back to like, I, I'm going to say smoking cigarettes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm very well aware. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I mean, that's the only thing I find annoying. Yeah. 
I mean, but that's only like health reasons. I don't mind that you go outside to, you know. <laughs> I sure do. Ah, fair. No, that's fair. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, this is a good one. How much freedom did you have growing up? <laughs> uh, little. <laughs> little. <laughs> uh, depends on like when you're talking. Like when I was a you know, single digit in age kid. Prob- I mean, I normal pl- amount. Yeah, I played alone like at my house. But like as far as like venturing away from the house and outside of mom's watchful eye. No. Oh, no, no. That no. doesn't happen. But I mean, like I attended sleepovers with friends and stuff. See, like, I'm even cautious of that now. I mean, my kid's five. So yeah. he hasn't been invited. To you also any- don't know these people. Right? Like that's the thing. In my hometown, everyone knows everyone. So like staying the night at... Jessica's house. I literally never had a friend named Jessica that I can remember, like, long, but long, long ago. Um, it was fine because your mom knew her mom. Yeah. And, like, yeah. they'd grown See, up together probably, you know? Like, I let Jackson say it like his cousin's house. Why? Because I know <laughs> my siblings and sibling-in-laws. <laughs> like, yeah. I know them and I know my son is safe. The end. Like, I, I don't trust people my kid. Yeah. Now, was you give your children more or less freedom than you had? More. Not in a... Well, here's the thing. I say more, but what I want is... um, I don't know. Like, there's stuff that kids have to... Yeah, more open communication about it. But, like, I feel... And obviously, I'm not a parent. So, like, I know I'm speaking from a very limited view. But for me, I would like... To have children that are allowed to take a little bit of risk and learn some lessons and then we can have a conversation about it. Like we can talk about it. We can talk about maybe how it could have gone better or share a similar experience. But I know because I was so like sheltered, carefully watched. Yeah. And sheltered when I was really young That made my teenage and college years a little harder because I didn't know things that other people found incredibly obvious. And I felt like if I would have been able to get out and have a little bit more life experience, that like my interactions with others might have been different, I guess. What's an example of something that happened? Do you have one of something that happened in college? Um, I had a very incredible narrow viewpoint of what's good and bad and it was very skewed yeah Yeah. it was really skewed I had a really limited worldview I mean that happens a lot right when you're from a small town like your worldview is small but yeah yeah, I I mean I went to a small town but I did not live a small town life yeah and I think weird but yeah I could say lots of other things that I'm like well yeah it would have been cool if I did X, Y, and Z differently. Like, I wish I had different life experience earlier, but that kind of ties in. There's a, I know there's a question in here somewhere that's like, what would you tell your past self that you know now? Oh, tell me an embarrassing story you have. There's so many. Okay. Okay. Right after I had Jackson, me and BJ went to a concert in a few towns over. And BJ's mom and nephew stayed at home with Jackson. It was the first time I had gone out since he was born. 
and I still had mom bladder. <laughs> I mean, I still do now, but it was like really bad because they cut through it for the, whatever. yeah. So super rough. Um, anyways, so we went to the concert on our way back. I was like, oh my God, I drank alcohol. So I had to pee really bad. So I was like, bro, mm-hmm. stop this gas station. So he stops at this gas station. Never been there before. So I walk in and I'm clenching and waddling and I go all the way to the back because that's where I assumed the bathrooms would be. They were not the bathrooms. They were the trucker showers. Oh. And by that point, I had already started peeing. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and stood in the trucker showers and pissed my you peed your pants in the trucker shower? I sure did. And then I walked out the back of the store because I sure as fuck was about to walk all the way right? back to the store. You just so. turned the shower on at that point, soaked the whole jeans, be like, I don't know what happened in there. Nope. So weird. So I went out the back of the store and then walked all the way around and BJ saw me coming out the side of the building. And he's like, yeah. what the fuck? And I get there and I'm laughing hysterically. And I'm like, I just peed my fucking pants. <laughs> and he starts dying laughing. And there was no cars behind us. Like from my, my yeah. door was open, but there was no, no one could see from my side. Yeah. So I took off my pants, took off my underwear and climbed to my car. Because it was a newer car. Oh, <laughs> So you didn't want to sit in pee pants? I mean, so no one wants to sit no in pee pants. No one wants to sit in pee pants. But anyways, and then we went home and remember, his mom and nephew were there. Oh, shit. So he had to go inside and get me a blanket. Oh. And then come back outside that I then had to wrap around myself and run to my room. Oh, my God. That's Is that awful. a good embarrassing story? Yes. That's okay. a great embarrassing story. Pee my pants. The second one is, what's something you should probably be embarrassed about, but you're not? Oh, there's a lot of those, too. The amount that I wash my hair. Oh, I was going to go with your feet. My feet? Oh, yeah. No, I'm embarrassed <laughs> about those. I think about my toes. I'm like, my toes are fine. No, not your toes. No, my your toesies feet. are cute. But no, the bottom of my feet, because I never wear shoes. No. So they're cracked like concrete <laughs> yeah literally your feet are like caveman feet they're disgusting and i am embarrassed that's why i got a pedicure i know you dick Anyways. i'm really sorry i told you the this... other day i was doing it i had strep <laughs> i know that's why i said so i know you're sick but no next time you go i'll go with you i want to get okay. my fingernails done too anyways yes yes no i'm by the amount i wash my hair because it's very little Fair. That's fair. Okay. Um. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. This um, one says, how would you describe how I smell using as much detail as possible? What do well, I smell like, Sarah? I don't know. I don't get that close to people. That's kind of what I figured. <laughs> um. All right. Oh, this is interesting. This is just an interesting question, okay? Okay. Tell me about your spiritual beliefs. Okay. Um, yeah. So when I was growing up, my family was fairly religious. Like, and my grandma still goes to church every... I think both my grandmas still go to church every Sunday. Um, different Christian. I think my grandma goes to a Methodist church now. My other goes to... Um, a Presbyterian and so like I went to Sunday school I did all that stuff and I just 
I don't know. I never remember feeling particularly connected to the idea. And there's been plenty of times in my life where I don't feel like that necessarily fits my view anymore. And I have always felt really connected to like nature and the earth. And so I would consider myself spiritual, but not religious. Um, but I like kind of a ritualistic spiritualism. Basically witch shit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to say it for what it was. You're not Wiccan. Yeah. Oh, no. You're not Wiccan. No, I'm not Wiccan. And you're they're... very uh, universe. Like when my brother went to, he'd probably be like, why are you sharing this with the universe? But then he also won't care. My brother went to AA. They're very centralized around what's bigger than you that you believe in. Because mm-hmm. you could not be so fucking conceited that you think you are the biggest thing in this universe. Yeah. And he's like, no, I believe the universe itself. Like, yeah, galaxies and planets and yeah. the Earth is more than me. And they're like, okay, well then you need to focus on that. Yeah. And that's, you know, God never really resonated with me, but I... Yeah, I just, like, have my own things that I do, you know, when I have time. What did your eyes get so big for? Okay, so the door stopper. I thought it was a spider underneath because of the shadow, and it oh. made my heart fall to my butthole. Your <laughs> eyes got so big. Well, it looks huge! That's why I was like, what did you see? Like, I was like, is it a mouse? I actually had a dream that there was, I think it's, the cats, like, skitter around and play with the springs at night, but it, like... I thought I could, like, hear something walking. I'm sure it was Gracie playing with a fucking spring because she got locked out of the room last night. But I remember hearing that and being like, what the fuck? There better no, not be no you. fucking mice in here. Your turn, Frankie. Oh, okay. You don't want to tell me how I smell? No, that's a weird fucking question because I don't know how you smell. <laughs> well, yeah, the... Uh, sorry, it doesn't matter. Okay. What do you think people most frequently misunderstand about me? Oh, that you're not an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, that you genuinely mean well. You just come off as very, um, not standoffish, because you're very, like, be my friend. But in the same yeah. sense, you're also, like, be my friend. But also, don't look at me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you have yeah. a vibe. But okay. it's that you're a genuinely nice person. Okay. <laughs> what do they misunderstand about you? That I'm not an asshole most of the time. <laughs> I'm really not. Yeah. I genuinely care for the people that I love. And I do want people to succeed. I just don't have time for bullshit. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. No. The drama, I don't understand it. No. And I don't understand how people let certain things bother them. It doesn't, it literally makes, doesn't make sense in my brain. So like. I can try and understand why someone's upset that something happened. But in my mind, I'm like, why do you care? (laughs) Yeah. Stop caring. That person tomorrow, who the fuck are they to you? They're no one. Yeah. My dad used to to say to me all the time, two things. And they both pissed me off when I was a kid, but now they resonate with me so much. Be a duck. Let what people say roll off your back like Mm -hmm. a duck does water. And then... If that's the worst thing that happened to you today, sounds yeah. like you're having a really good goddamn day. Yeah. So those two things that stuck with me, I hated them when I was younger, but now I'm like, he was right. Yeah. I don't care what people say about me. 
nor inconsequential shit. I just don't care. And then I also don't, if something minor happens that sucks, like, yeah, it sucks. I'm going to let it suck for a couple seconds, but then I'm going to move on because why is someone cutting me off going to bother me for the rest of my life? That's where I'm at in my life. All right. Oh, hey, that one you had earlier. Knowing what you do now, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, Five-year plans are bullshit. Oh, no lie there. Seriously. No like, lie. If that's one piece of advice I can offer up to anyone, it is that a five-year plan, in my mind, is pretty limiting. If I take where I'm sitting right now in my life and I think back to five years ago. So five years ago from now was um, May of 2018. I was just in such a different place in my life and I wouldn't have imagined that this is what my life would look like. In five years. In five years. But I'm happy with where my life is, you know? Like I really like the choices I've made. And those aren't ones that I planned out. I couldn't have planned for this. Like, this was a surprise when it happened. Sure as fuck was to everyone involved. Yeah. So, you know, the most I had to do was decide what I was going to do with that information. And I said, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to move. Across the country. uh, Yeah, across the country, away from my family. Because it's a risk. And... It's a risk that scares me a little bit. Like, and that's kind of how I operate. Like, when things feel comfortable for too long, I get really restless. And then there has to be something that, like, kind of scares me a little bit. But I think that's the direction I need to go. Like, I try to pay attention to that feeling and lean into it because those are the times that I experience the most fucking growth. Well, what advice would you give your current self, Samantha? Oh my God, love yourself. Oh, that sounds terrible. Good luck yeah, with that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Talking to Stella about it every fucking week. You should also mention the thing we discussed earlier. Uh, yes, I'll consider that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm ready for my next one whenever you are. Okay. It's funny. Sorry. You're fine. These are like super serious. Is Hades outside? Yep. Oh, please go get my dog. Yep. He's not going to be doing well. Yeah. Did he break your window? (laughs) Hi, baby. Are you okay? I heard the thunder. Are you okay? Do you need to go hide? Samantha, would you be willing to open it up? Thank you. Yeah, that I for a moment felt pure fear for my dog. Yeah, you sure did. I'm not extra as fuck. No, that's <laughs> fine. Was I answering something? No, you were gonna ask. Oh fuck. Just pick a random one. Yeah. Who would you invite if you threw a party and could bring any three celebrities? Dax, Jelly Roll, and Shania Twain. <laughs> that would be a f- Probably a pretty cool fucking party. Wouldn't it be interesting as fuck? Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, which three would you least want to come? Oh, okay. Three celebrities I would least want to come. Yeah. Who do you not want at your super cool party with Shania Twain? 
<laughs> Juice World. No, no Jelly just... World. Je- jelly jelly roll. roll. Sorry. Jelly Roll Dax. and Dax. Okay, um, who would I not want there? Wow, I really killed it. You did something. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay, Artie, <laughs> the one we watched the documentary about, what was his name? Um, the killer guy, <laughs> rapist. Uh, is that a celebrity? He was a celebrity. He was an actor. Artie, Armin, oh, fuck. His Army wife. Hammer. Army Hammer. Yeah, fuck Army Hammer. Don't want him there. No. Um... Hmm. Who else is on that list of creepy motherfuckers? Um, I've heard that Jennifer Lawrence is an asshole, so I don't think I'd want her there. Okay. Don't need any assholes. No, no assholes, please. Uh, I mean, you can bring your own, but yeah. don't bring an extra. And then, hmm, last one. Isn't his real name? What the fuck? From 90210. Come on! I have no idea. Oh my god. Okay. I don't know who the third one would be who I wouldn't want there. Okay. I give up. Are you, Don't you ask now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you had to commit a crime, well, who would you call for help and why? Um, It's really going to depend on the crime. Hmm. So, like, if I need to build a dossier before I'm going to, like, hire... Someone, this is very, very dark. I would have you do the FBI work. <laughs> You're very good at the research. Uh, who would I call for help? I don't know. What crime I do am remember I when, you, when you used to go on dates, though, and you'd be like, hey, this is the guy's name. And I'd come back with, like, where he works, where he lives, all he is. Yeah, literally. I would be on, like, Tinder, you know, and they have no fucking info on there. And then she would just come back with, like, everything. The good old days. Amazing. Yeah, but the good old days back when I was attempting dating. Well, back when Tinder was um, mattered. Fuck that thing now. Yeah, oh my god, it's the worst. But it doesn't ask, specify the crime. So. Uh, I'm glad that I'm involved in the prep, though, and not the cleanup. Jesus. Um. Well, yeah, I don't really know about that one. I guess I'd hire BJ for the second yep, part. Me yeah, me too. And mm-hmm. he's my husband. Yeah. Well, I'm set. <laughs> Got all my friends. Off two of them. What is something that the world thinks is probably impossible that you believe is likely possible? Oh, fuck. I'm kind of a pessimist, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I don't know. I can't think of anything, to be honest with you. Um. I- Give me an idea. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I was going to say, like, um, like Glitch in the Matrix, like, multiple timelines type oh, thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. What is the best way to give you criticism? Don't. I <laughs> That's why I laughed before I read it. I knew. I was like, a don't. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> oh. <Ooh. clears throat> Hang on. What things do you think are too serious to be joked about? <laughs> if you say anything, I'm going to tell a joke that you have laughed at. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, well. <laughs> There's literally nothing we have not laughed at that we should not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. So I'm sorry. You th- I think it's too serious to be laughed at. Yeah. I Rape. I think that. I don't think I've ever, like, laughed about, you know, 
I don't know if I've ever made a rape joke. No, I don't think so either. It's fair. Yeah. Slowly but surely, women are getting some rights. Just kidding. They're taking them all (laughs) away. Take them away. Right? They're like, rights? What do you need rights for? To have thoughts and opinions of your own? God forbid. Fuck that. And fuck you. (laughs) You're for breeding. Mm. I know. They used that term in Queen Charlotte when I was watching it. And I was like, ugh. Um, yeah, but it's one of my favorite insults that gay people, <laughs> that one of these gay guys told my brother one time when they were in an argument, like, they're really good friends, and he's like, okay, you fucking breeder, and I don't know <laughs> why, <laughs> but when he said it to him, it was like, oh, like, it was the <laughs> best joke ever, I was like, I want to be his best friend forever, and my brother couldn't even hold back, they, like, their argument ended, because my brother started laughing, he's like, Thanks, man. Glad to know I'm a breeder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But it was great. Yeah. Well, this was super fun. We should um, wrap this up for this week. But thank you guys for listening. And we will uh, be back next week. Yeah. Most likely. Good luck. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Doom Crew today. We hope you enjoyed our spooky and humorous take on true crime. As always, we want to remind you to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the Doom Crew Podcast. And don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us improve the show and reach more listeners who share our spooky sense of humor. So until next time, stay curious, stay spooky, and remember to always look over your shoulder. This has been the Doom Crew, signing Signing off. off. Can we just do one fucking thing?